Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode 47. I'm your host, Brendan Carey, and today I'm joined by none other than the guy you love to love, Adam Sink. What up? Not a lot. How's everybody doing? How is everybody doing? Well, you know what, Adam? I think we got a little... You, we, we, It's been a busy month, hasn't it? It's been a packed month it's, yeah, it's crazy it, it's crazy man i we're here we are we're halfway through uh uh april and we're recording this on the day of release which is not usually our thing yeah that's that's unusual yeah we had it, last week has been madness really yeah it's been madness so we, we i can't believe this month's halfway through already um we have packed our full metal rpg calendar to the absolute gills and uh now we're reaping the whirlwind for it are we not we are. I'd say that uh, we... Or the fates, I don't know. Is it the Furies? Have we like? Have we called the Furies to descend upon us? I, I think that um, we just have really kind of like hit a certain stride with the show, and that means that we're actually at a spot where we can start... We, we've put a lot into the show and yeah, over the last couple years. some new initiatives, particularly in the last... It's been within the last month that we're yeah. starting to take some time and, and push things forward. That we gotta we gotta do some some bookkeeping on all that stuff. So it's a bookkeeping episode, Ooh, favorite kind. Oh my god! So the first item on the agenda is today the Patreon. The Patreon. The so pa- for those who don't know, go go for it, buddy. We launched our Patreon. You can now support the show directly. Give us our send your hard earned dollars directly to us. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just go to go to Patreon, um, search Full Metal RPG. We come up really easily, and uh, it has been crazy, hasn't it? It's yeah, it's been really you know impressive and uh, and inspiring and and humbling how how that has kind of shot off already. Yeah, we have. I, we've done much, much, much better than I imagined that we would. And um, that has only given Adam and I more energy to work. And we have been, like, lashing ourselves to the wheel, right? I mean, we have been writing like motherfuckers. We've been doing interviews. And we are so stoked and so thankful for everybody's support of the show. Um, the most basic patreon reward comes with a call out so i i i don't, i think we've been wasting too much time should i start with the call outs dude start with the call outs because we got a lot of them we, we gotta do. we gotta burn we got these. some call outs so i mean on some level these are like some of the cultists who are just at the dead center of the full metal rpg experience and they have been with us for a long time and they've really busted ass for us and now they've showed up for us once again and so um the to all the people whose names i'm about to read you live in our hearts and minds and thank you thank you once again so without any further ado we want to thank jamie at calcium rex we got gustavo sorg always a loyal cultist thank you sir we got dan 
Cafone in New Jersey. Thank you. We got we got somebody going by Grenadier AZ. What up? What up, Grenadier AZ? We got uh we got our homie in the game industry, Cody Ralford. Thanks, man. Thank you for everything and thanks for the shout out on Facebook. Uh, we got Aaron McKinley Cordial. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We got the one and only Mark Boardman from Dungeon Pumps. What up? Thank you. We got uh, Stephen Hupfer uh, at Wolverine Blues. Thank you, homie. We, we, we got Justin Sarois at Severed Books. What up, man? Thank you. We got uh, Jared Washburn, our homie who we met at uh, Crit Hit last year and who we've gamed with, and he's just such a fun guy to hang out with. Uh, we got Dub Zylon. What, we, we, I've been hanging out with him on uh, Insta a lot lately. What up, man? Thank you. We got the homie Dwayne Harper, who uh, we've been gaming with at the Friday Night Role Playing Club. We got the Heroes Guild, who uh, we're also helping out on Patreon. That's coming out. That's not coming out of the Patreon kitty. Don't worry about it. It's coming out of our pockets to go help out some of our friends who are in the gaming world, and they are introducing uh, gaming to underprivileged youth. And so, thank you for that work that you're doing. We're happy to support it. And thank you for your support of Full Metal RPG. We got Ray Lewis. What up, Ray? We got, we got the tried and true homie, Michael Collette, who was just sitting at our table the other day rolling some dice with us. We have the one and only game designer from Brazil, superstar, Diogo Nogueira. What up? We got John Bonar. What up, man? How you doing? We got another game designer. We got Christopher Gray from Los Angeles. Thank you, sir. We got our tried and true homie who was also at the game table the other day. We got Richard Newby. We've got someone who just obliquely goes by Henry. What up, Henry? That's How's it going, Henry. Dude, oh, Henry. Henry, are you looking into a mirror with a naked light bulb hanging over your head, looking like Michael Rooker? If if you are, then congratulations, because that's my ultimate yeah. goal in life. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> You're the shit. Uh, and then we got, last but not least, another game designer, Chris Kohler, Wild in the Streets. Thank you. Thank you all to all of the Shadowstorm initiates. Thank you so much for supporting the cult. We love you. Thank you very much. Indeed. And there's some other pledge levels in there, too. So if you want to get you know, newsletters on horror gaming or on post-apocalyptic role-playing, that's an option. There's yeah, some art options. There's some some game design review options. We have we been all a whole a whole plethora of offerings. Oh my god, yeah, I have been lashed to the fucking like typewriter. Uh, I really after the, the pledges started coming in for the horrorism uh, newsletter slash zine, I really wanted to make sure that it was good, and so. I, <laughs> what I thought was going to be like a five-page, ten-page issue is probably going to be something more like a fifteen to twenty-page <laughs> yeah, issue. You that's definitely one little. <laughs> yeah, shot for the stars. Yeah. Um. This the 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 issue that's coming out here in uh, May. The I'm ho- hoping to have that just getting dropped in the mailbox on like say May third. It's just going to be out to you guys. So we're going to get our money from the pledges, and then the rewards are going to go right out. There's yeah, be t- you'll get your email ones first, and then your physical ones will show up a little bit later because there's going to be a delay in getting them to you for shipping, but, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they'll be there. Uh, I think there's going to be two articles uh, in mine in the physical one, the um, 
The first one that the email participants are also going to get is going to be a uh, little examination of the uh, Americana grisly murder of a real-life television star and how you might use those um, the sordid details of that in your horror game. And then the uh, second article, which is going to be only available in the physical copy, is a... Um, series of charts that you can use when you're running a mansion as a locale in your horror game, uh, which is something that I struggle with because I don't spend a lot of time in mansions. So um, I've gone into my own personal notes and I've pulled out some stuff and I've kind of refined it down into a series of charts that you can use when you're uh, when you're running a mansion because I know it's a bitch and and doesn't like every horror game end up having one yeah. like you know at some There's point. There's always a, a decrepit mansion full of evil and and ghosts and psycho cannibals or whatever. It, yeah, it's a staple of the genre. Now, uh, Adam, you are going to be getting over to New Mexico here, like what in like a week? Next week, yeah. So next Friday, I'm going to throw myself in my vehicle and begin my long sojourn across the uh, the barren wastes that lie between Phoenix and Albuquerque um, to head over to New Mexico to go hang out with those guys and rep Full Metal RPG over there. We sponsored Sarah Doombringer Richardson. What up, Sarah, if you're what listening? Up? And uh, she's going to be running um, a variant uh, of, the, of her Bluebeard's Brides game. It's the... Uh, the Blood Spattered Brides. Yeah, Blood Spattered Brides using Lamentations of the Flame Princess. So we're sponsoring her room. We'll be there. Everyone is playing in that room. We're going to get them a shirt. There's going to be a special giveaway that we're going to do there. It's going to oh, be, yeah. oh, yeah. be good stuff. We got All I got to say, guys, is we got a box from Helinski. All right? It's a little box, but... But it's it w- got big things in it. Oh, yeah. James Riggy put that box together himself. That's right. Blessed by his cursed plague hand exactly so um come on down to uh new mexico 2018 in albuquerque that's next weekend there are still badges available i'm told i'm not going to be there but adam's going to be there mark Diaz truman's going to be there sarah doombringer is going to be there i have good odds that marissa kelly is going to be there why wouldn't you want to be there? You should be there. Maybe we'll all get abducted by aliens. I don't know. Maybe. That's my goal. Oh, you're just looking for the anal probe. I am seriously looking forward to that. So. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. All right. So um, what's next on our agenda, Adam? Oh, oh you know what? whole list of Oh, stuff. my God. We got so much shit to do today. Yeah. After we had our little um, uh, review contest on iTunes... We ended up getting a bunch of spontaneous reviews. We ended up getting like three three reviews spontaneously without like having to twist any arms for them, and they were all really nice. Now, I know we were always like, oh, we'll read your reviews, right? But we've already done a bunch of reading of names and shit, so we're going to read one of them, and then the other two we'll get to in subsequent episodes. We will so we save them for later. Yeah, we are definitely going to get to your reviews but uh, Adam's got one right now. Uh, when I saw this, when I saw this review on the pod on the the, the iPod channel thing, I there was a there was a part of me that kind of wanted to weep a little bit, just weep out of out of pride and gratitude. So, Adam, I don't, why don't you share that with the with the cultists? All right, this one came in from Aaron C ninety. What's up, Aaron? It said I downloaded iTunes. Just leave this review, five star review. This is my absolute favorite tabletop gaming podcast. 
No real scripting here, just great, hilarious, and passionate discussions of all things tabletop with a definite edge to darker and grittier games. If you want honest opinions about games, host Brendan, Adam, Ben, we miss Ben, and guests, don't hold back for fear of being smoked down where they stand. This honestly has kept me coming back every episode, and their range of knowledge on the weird esoteric products out there have not only expanded my library, but also my ideas on what role-playing is and can be. It's a very inspiring podcast and has got me back into writing some of my own crazy gonzo dark material again. Grab your robes, drink the Kool-Aid, and bow before the dark gods, because once you listen, you can never go back to the life you once had. Thank you, Aaron and or A.A. Ron for that awesome review. That was really well written. It was. It was incredibly well done. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, that's the kind of review, like if I could just like write it myself, that's what they would say. But like, you know, I can't. And so when people, uh, when people feel genuinely that way about the show, I mean, I, I have no words. I have no words. And that's really all just I do thank is you. just that's blather it. to myself constantly. So the only words we need to thank you. Thank you for that review, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Um, and, and then we got two more and those will be coming in subsequent episodes. So thank you guys as well. We are not overlooking you. We're just getting to you on a subsequent one. Your, your moment in the sun will come. Well, Adam, that's the part of the show where we talk about what we've been up to, man. What have we been up to? What have we been up to? What have you been up to, Adam? So last night, because we were recording this on the day of release, we <laughs> we played uh, our Friday night role-playing club game. So that was Mutant Year Zero for me and World of Darkness for you. Yep. So we moved forward on that. I didn't have my usual uh, table of players at my Mutant Year Zero game. That was so it's funny. Been... You, were, you were just completely convinced you were going home. Yeah, you well, were like, I showed oh, up. The only God. one there was Perry. And so I, I'm standing there going, okay, well, I've got one person and I'm not going to run one. You can't really run Mutineer Zero with one person because there's different roles and you need certain roles in order to do certain things. That sounds like a weakness of the game. It is kind of a weakness of the game. You can't really explore outside of the arc if you don't have a stalker. Like, like you just have to have one. And you need to have some hmm. of these other classes like gearheads and everything to explore the, the machines and all the stuff that you find out there. You know, it's meant to be collaborative and cooperative. Um, and, and as you said, because you can't take these skills from other classes, like you can't take find the path if you're a dog handler or whatever that it's definitely kind of one of those parts of the game that that shows a, a weakness. Like it's, you're going to have to have a party in order to do certain things. So we had a good mix of zone exploration and, and arc drama this time. Because you had a bunch of randos show up, right? Because we had a bunch of randos show up. And so they got to roll essentially new characters. Um, Richard came back and reprised his role as his gearhead jockey. Um, Perry came back and revised his, uh, his role as the dog handler, Mighty Max with his dog Buster. Uh, and, uh, Andrew Long came out and, um, and a new guy came out, Eric and he, Eric was playing a, uh, a fixer and Andrew was playing a stalker. It was really cool. The table that you had, because not only did you have like try and true homies like, uh, Richard there, you also had Andrew who runs Arizona game fair mm-hmm. and we're always stoked to see him out because he's such a fun guy to hang out with. And then, um, Eric seemed like a like a cool guy and he turns it was his first time encountering us and he's like a lamentations dude right yeah yeah he had never heard of us he just kind of randomly appeared out of the ether he was looking for 
non-traditional games. He didn't want to. He didn't want to play D and D, and he didn't want to play Pathfinder. So he was looking to get into one of our games, and he has played or uh, or he he owned Mutineer Zero before, and he's run it, and so he wanted to to play in it. Um, so he decided to to play in my game. They always play in his game. He's always he's always like, no one wants to play in my game. And then it's like every he's always got a full table every yeah. time. It, yeah, every it turned out really well. I I was planning because I got contacted by Michael and and uh, Stephen and Hazel before I even left, and they were like, oh, we're not going to make it. And I was like, all right, well, I just I'll just go home then. And so I I kind of just oh, I don't need to worry about this. I'll just show up. I'll say hi to people, and then I'll leave. And then I ended up. Uh, having a run for him and then I had all these new people who were having to deal with the decisions of the other <laughs> players that the players had made before them and how did that go it actually went pretty well so they started out just wanting to go out and and explore the zone which is kind of the name of the game so we did all of the upfront work on your your arc to build your base because there's a base building component and then there's that hex crawl component where you go out and explore the zone they drew a threat card and it was uh there's these uh there's these other creatures out in the zone that are attacking people and the stalkers don't want to go out so they went out to try to find them um they kind of went looking around and they went through three different zones kind of looking for them and they uh they ended up finding this tank and starting to loot it and then these uh they're called nova cultists showed up and in the game they're these weird uh people who kind of show up they've all got shaved heads um they all wear these robes and they appear to be unaffected by like the ravages of the rot or the zone or the hypothermia or any of those other things and they basically just like set these bundles down on the ground about 50 feet away from them and walk away and they sent their dog out to investigate and the dog started whining and wouldn't leave and so the fixer went over and the bundles were were babies um and in the world of mutineer zero the mutants are sterile they can't reproduce with each other so they had these little mutant babies. And so the question is, well, where did they come from and and why are they here? So a couple of the players were really interested in just like looting and getting all the stuff out of the tank that they could. A couple of the players Imagine were like, well, that. we can just leave these babies out here to die of exposure to the elements and, and hypothermia. So they were, uh, it was uh, Mighty Max and then um, and uh, Eric's character, uh, the fixer, and they were taking care of the babies, like bringing them back to the to the ark um and so they brought them back to the ark just in time for there to they came in as this essentially like uh riot or uprising was going on where one of the slaves was you know railing against the the system and how they had sent five of them out to die and they're forced to do all this toil and they're not allowed to reap the benefits of their own labor and you know they're held down by threats and violence and and it was very interesting because half of the party just didn't want to deal with it. So they're like, we're going to take the babies off to the tavern we were building earlier in this thing and just ignore this. As, as you as do. <laughs> and then one of the players is, well, I'm going to go try and talk these guys down um, and try to try to reason with them and, and get them to, to moderate their approach to this rebellion, essentially. And then one of the other guys, was, I'm going to, I'm just going to shoot him. Like, I'm going to shoot this rabble rouser and that's how I'm going to deal with this. That's like a really nice sort of range of player responses. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the, the ethically inclined, you've got the, um, let's talk it over guy. And then you've got the deranged Michael Madsen guy who just starts, starts <laughs> yeah, shooting yeah, people. Starts murdering people. Ah, fuck this. I'm yeah. So it was very people. interesting to watch how it all unfolded. And then it ended with, um, 
you know, the, the guy who wanted to be the voice of reason or a moderate putting a gun to this guy's head and pulling the trigger <laughs> only for the gun to explode in his hand because of a very unfortunate role. Well, now I have to ask you, okay, so, so the, the gun explodes in his hand mm-hmm. because of uh, some cascading failures that resulted in catastrophic equipment failure. Right. Now, let me ask you as a GM, why did you make him roll at all? I mean, if you put a gun to somebody's head and you pull the trigger, right? You just say, okay, you kill him. Just, because I'm just, I'm gear just is so unreliable in this setting, it it's not guaranteed to work. So if you use a gun and you do roll and you get these explosive one results on the equipment that you're using, um, it can break the equipment. And so the idea isn't like, oh, yeah, you're going to miss the idea was, if he'd have gotten even one success, I would have just been like, he's dead. Like, you blow his head out all over the floor. But because he rolled no successes and he got this a critical weapons failure, the gun blew up in his hand. And the other reason I wanted to do it was because they were underneath the statue of their dinosaur god inside of the Ark. And so it actually plays nicely to the narrative of the dinosaur god protected this guy. Mm, interesting and he was not killed because of the blessing of this creature or whatever because i made him reptilian mutant so he has scales so one of his things was he was i you know he has the blessing of the dinosaur god he's the prophet of the dinosaur god and now this is only just played further into that narrative that this you know this this rebel this this slave who wants to overthrow the shackles of these bosses inside of the ark is the chosen one that's uh okay so that's first of all i think that's interesting that you the essentially the role wasn't necessary to hit the guy in the head it was to confirm that the equipment worked right uh and that's cool i think that found it in this tank like this pistol had been sitting in this tank for god knows how long yeah unused yeah did it still work i don't know let's find out Clearly, Clearly not. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Richard. So, yeah, sorry, Richard. It didn't um, work. <laughs> and then uh, I also like how over the course of this Mutant Year Zero game, you have found ways to take the randomness that comes from the cards and from the, the tables and stuff and still integrate the randomness into the overall story arc that you talked about on the show like a month or two months ago where you were like, oh, well, I've got this kind of arc planned out. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that the game still continues to generate stuff randomly, randomly it's not that hasn't like wildly thrown you off course so if people want to say like oh games with like lots of charts and stuff you you don't get to tell a story it's like you right. still get to yeah, tell a story you still get right to tell a story yeah and it's very interesting it's gotten very political and very dark and and that yeah. was not something i had really expected when i started running it most of these yeah. post-apoc games are very just kind of like Hey, there's a thing that happens and it's wacky and and oh look, there's all this weird stuff and you found an Apache attack helicopter and you're flying around in it and isn't that strange and I think it's really interesting how the systems have bred incentives in that game mm-hmm. and uh, you know Game Depot had just restocked a bunch of Modifius and they weren't able to get any more mutant near zero away but the second that game comes back into availability in America I'm gonna snatch one up because it seems 
fucking amazing yeah it's a really great game and it's it's one that i like recommending to people but i feel bad about because i'm like hey here's this game that's really great you can't get it yeah sorry it's uh sorry here's this awesome game yeah it's not you can't you can't buy it some dweeb on amazon is trying to sell for 200 dollars. i probably wouldn't buy it for that no no you can get it like you could buy it cheaper and have it shipped from england for far less than that (laughs) yeah which is probably the which is um, what i ended up doing with gen lab alpha because when it was on sale because it was like i just haven't seen that anywhere it just doesn't exist so it was okay if i want this i have to buy it direct from them and i'm concerned that their their <sighs> new game which is now delayed another six months the the one with the robots the robots the world i'm not going to have available to me here either so we'll see how it all pans out wow how'd your wad game go oh you know man the wad game went really well um so I'm running World of Darkness for these guys, and I, as I said previously, I'm running uh, Black Blood again, which is a game I had run previously at Game Depot, and it was for a bunch of guys who haven't played World of Darkness games before, and so it's a whole new experience for them. It's like a whole whole different thing. Yeah, and they seem super engaged and passionate about it, too. Well, um, I'm not going to lie. I uh, cribbed some stuff from uh, Dungeon World to help with the... Um, the the setting a little bit and so what i did is at the beginning of the session is we people i was like asking them kind of to describe what their nightly life was like and then um i kept encouraging them to feed me details and so we did a little bit of like um around the table world building uh where people were coming up with ideas for npcs and they were coming up with names for them and i really felt like there was a lot of buy-in on the setting because everybody got to kind of you know put some chips into the center of the table that was really fun uh the black blood game uh i mean it's an la noir and it runs really well as an la noir without trying to gloss myself too much i think that i understand those tropes like well enough especially having like essentially written this thing multiple times um the beats on it are pretty pretty consistent and uh the characters had to go to uh like a gang guy who's a fixer and um because i had this new player a new player showed up with Dwayne, and um because in the next a couple beats later the group is going to get um i mean it already happened at the session but I knew that the group was going to get betrayed by the fixer that was sending them down to Long Beach to do some stuff. So I I used the new guy coming to the table as the opportunity to be the inside man for the um for the for the fixer. And so he's like, "Okay, I'm installing you in this group." And then they all came together and then there was like a kind of fun um everybody's in a chop shop and they're like standing around being kind of like a very like um quentin tarantino-esque criminals which was really fun uh they even did some like pop culture dialogue that was like straight out of a tarantino movie that was really great um then um they go down to long beach and they work their contact and it's at that point in the story it's like a heist story where they're they've been sent down to uh destroy an armored car that they've been told is full of money that uh belongs to a rival vampire and um so they set up the whole heist 
and they're told they're not allowed to steal the money. And this is always what I try to play on. I always try to play on their their desire to get the money. Right. You know, the I'm greed. Always, yeah, I'm always he like, he won't uh, know. We're gonna destroy it anyway. Yeah. We'll just take a couple bags. Why don't you take some money? You know, I'm always trying to. I, I was trying to get them to go in that direction. But every time I've run this, the characters are all very loyal, and they all just go, "No, we're gonna just gonna destroy the money." So they they build up the scenario using explosives. The last time I ran this, it turned into a gun battle, but this time. It was all just explosives, and they uh, used the C4 that they were um, going to use to pop the door, and then they just instead built some devices to just blow up the whole truck. Um, I was able to do the reveal that I always do at the end of that beat, that there is not, in fact, money in the truck, that there is, in fact, a sarcophagus containing an what you can imagine would be like an elder vampire. They don't know, but they're like, oh shit, that's probably a vampire in there. And they still blew it up. Um, The first group did not know that there was an elder vampire in there. They just blew up the truck. These guys, they knew there was one and they still blew up the truck. Um, And then I ended the session with the uh, group, the gang that the fixer was in, essentially double-crossing them and saying like, oh man, you broke the cardinal rule of our society, which is you don't kill a vampire. So now I have to kill you for killing that vampire, despite the fact that they were obviously set up to commit this heinous crime. And then, because I like to to do kind of like Vince Gilligan style, you know, all right, cliffhanger, you know, and so we'll pick that up in two weeks. Um, But I had a lot of fun with it. I had a lot of fun from a bunch of guys who did not no world of darkness they did not know a storyteller system i think we made like three rolls over the course of the whole night it was mostly just talking in character and uh making plans and uh negotiating and i mean that's the funnest stuff to do that's yeah. the that's the funnest stuff to do and, w- and when it all comes together and it's very atmospheric when it really feels right you know i mean i could i could just see it all you know it just it just felt right, and right. that's that's the best that's the best feeling when you're yeah, in the game. That sounds good. Sounds like a sounds like a blast, man. So uh, that's the only thing that I got up to. Yeah. Outside oh no, we did one of, other thing. Well, we, right, we're but we'll talk about that later. Right, we're gonna we, talk about it after the break. We ran one big game together that we'll talk about after the break. Indeed. So um, let's let's do the part where we talk about what we've purchased. What have you purchased, man? Anything good? Uh, as far as purchasing stuff lately oh man um i just got a bunch of like uh painting stuff for my miniatures so i got some watercolor brushes uh i saw someone on instagram i can't can't remember who it was for the life of me it was one like one of the painting guys i follow on instagram and he had shown a tip that he got from somebody which was you can use these watercolor brushes you can put the shade into them and then you can use that to apply the shade like directly onto the models which seems like a way bit because then you don't have to keep going back in and dipping yeah. it and it allows you to move it around it's like oh that's a really great idea and it was specifically with regards to painting adeptus custodes because you just spray them gold and then you reichland flesh shade them and, then and you then wash you highlight them. and you're like you do your highlights and you're like hey they're good they're like i'll paint the guns and they're ready to go Done. so got those and i got some tamaya weathering powders uh that i saw somebody else was demonstrating uh Terry LaCoro or something, I think, on YouTube or something was, was showing them off. And uh, so I ended up grabbing those because they looked like they were a really nice product that, that I could do something with. So just a bunch of painting stuff. I haven't really bought any 
books since last time. I kind of went a little crazy on the books last time, so I kind of backed off because I got to save up for New Mexicon and hopefully Gen Con coming up. Oh, and, there's no hopefully, dude. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff going on that I have We're to save up We're going to Gen for. Con. All right. We need to go to Gen Con, dude. So, yeah, I, I've we been trying to-, to dial down my like number of things. So I haven't bought any new miniatures and I haven't All bought right. any new books. All just right. some painting stuff. Cool. Well, I did buy a couple books. Uh, you put me on to a little stash of um, Changeling the Lost books. Right, over at our Z, local used record store, Z Records. Yeah. So I went over there and they did have a, little, a nice little cache of uh, used Changeling books. And the, like, there's this other used bookstore by where we live that's like... They, they, they got like all hip to internet pricing and so, so they fucking priced all their goddamn uh used role-playing books at internet prices which mm-hmm. i which I, I i i am consistently baffled every time i see that i'm well, like I'm why wouldn't i just buy it off the internet right well when i go to half price books like half the time it's priced at something ridiculously above internet prices and then half the time you go in there and they're like oh yeah stormbringer 15 bucks or whatever and you're just going who is your pricing guy yeah because clearly i don't understand their method or is it two different people yeah you see i think it's different people people who so there's some guy who has some idea he thinks he like gets it or whatever but i mean here's the thing it's like why would you ever price your stuff I mean, I understand that. Okay, I understand that these guys are like sick of people coming into used bookstores and buying stuff off the shelf and then taking it to eBay and selling it on eBay for more. And they think to themselves, "Oh, well, I could sell it for the same." Yeah, but why do they care? Uh, but, these are big, giant corporate. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I know. It's just it's so dumb. It's like that's it's a perfect way to make me just not go to the bookstore because I'm like, oh well, if it's gonna cost the same, then I'll just get it on fucking eBay. It's a terrible. Terrible business strategy. Right. I anyway. Never, I don't go to Bookman's anymore for that reason. Exactly. I have not found a book there in years. <laughs> Nor I. Um, well, let's, let's say like months for me. Anyway, um, Zia doesn't do that. That's the whole point. Zia is just one of these places that goes half off cover, which is right. which is more than fair. I mean, like, that's actually pretty good in our favor. So I got like a, a little pile of, uh, of uh, Changeling books um, for the Changeling the Lost game that I am super jazzed on because, uh, you know, Chris was over here talking about it and because I've had some other people in my ear about it recently. And so now I'm all set to run Changeling the Lost and I probably never will. I'll probably just look at it on my shelf and sigh and be like, well, I guess I'm going to play. I really love the Seattle game I ran for Changeling. Like I had a fun time with that one. I think it's a great little game. Yeah. It's one among many that I mean that I really (laughs) want to do. Um, so, uh, but th- I did do that. And then, <laughs> lol, I bought a game that I thought I'd never buy. I bought, just last night, I bought my very own copy of The End of the World, Revolt of the Machines by Fantasy Flight Games. And I never thought I'd p- get this game. Um, and uh, I'll tell you why I bought it after the break. But the fact that I bought that game goes directly to our giveaway right adam it is because we are giving away another copy not the one you bought not the one i bought copy provided to us by the game depot of the end of the world revolt Revolt of of the the machines Machines. with the beautiful blue turquoise cover and completely unused by the way never even opened. we didn't open it we didn't didn't even crack through it 
Uh, when we did our play of the end of the world, we used a different book that I actually bought years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which was the uh, Wrath of the Gods. Correct. And so we played that one because we wanted to get an idea. We all had kind of this. We were all kind of tepid on it. We were, yeah. Um, yeah. And we wanted to play it to see what it was like before we gave it away so we could give a review. And, you know, small spoiler, we all really liked it. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we are ready to give away our copy of The End of the World, Revolt of the Machines. That was a contest you could enter on Facebook or Instagram. And man, we got a lot of entries for this one. We got some entries, cultists. We got some entries. And then I would also like to point out at this point that if you support our Patreon at the $5 a month pledge level, you get entered into every single one of the Full Metal RPG monthly giveaways. And we do at least one a month. Now we're going to be having another one coming up here because we have seriously developed such a backstock of giveaway stuff that we're actually going to be doing two a month for a hot minute here. And some of those outside of the main beginning of the month, one that we do in the first half of every month, some of those may be just for the Patreons only. But if you back us at the $5 level, you get automatically entered into all of them. So you don't have to be futzing with your Instagram. You don't have to be futzing with your Facebook or doing any... We appreciate it if you do, but yeah. don't feel like you have to. Right, but it is a, it is a bonus if you if you go down that road. So, we had almost 100 entrants into this last uh, last giveaway. So, Adam, do you want to do one of those drum roll things? Can you do that? Sure. For the end of the world, Revolt of the Machines, the winner is Mr. Miskatonic from Instagram. What up, Mr. Miskatonic? I know you're out there. I remember you. I've seen you around. Thank you for your support of Full Metal RPG. It's not the Wrath of the Gods Cthulhu one, unfortunately, given your name, but it is the end of the world. And I think you'll have a blast. I, I think you will. It sounds too. like you like end of the world type of stuff, just based on your name. This is the one that I went out and got because I can relate to the to the anxiety about this exact thing. So, um, get at me. We want to send this to you. The postage is covered. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. PM me. Get me your uh, uh, physical mailing address, and it's on the way to you. Uh, care of us, gratis, Mister Misconic, and to everyone who played in the last giveaway contest. Thank you very much for your support. We love you and we appreciate you. We love you with all our hearts. I mean, you're really all we've got considering how bleak and lonely our lives are. Even the hearts we have in the fridge. (laughs) Shh. Anyway. All right. So let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to get Adam's review of End of the World, Wrath of the Gods. Right? Indeed. See you in a minute. Welcome back. We're here with a review of The End of the World, Wrath of the Gods. I bought this book years ago, back when it was first released. I recall reading it at the time and not particularly liking it. I was a much more traditional gamer back then, and I found the idea of my role-playing group playing themselves in the game to be very strange, and I didn't care for how incredibly rules-light it is. After all, the the point of games, or the point of games to me at that time, was to inhabit a character, and I thought, how could such a simple system capture the complexity of a real person I know? Prior to giving away a copy of The End of the World, Revolt of the Machines, 
the Full Metal RPG crew decided we wanted to give the game an actual play and decide what we thought of it collectively. Being the only one with the core book, I was on deck for that. First up, we need to talk about the rules a bit because it is a core book and it is a rule set. Uh, there's six abilities split among three categories, physical, social, and mental. So you get two per category. They roughly correlate to more familiar concepts in gaming, like vitality is strength and endurance. Dexterity is your nimbleness and the ability to work with your hands. You get the idea. You get a rating from one to five in each of these abilities, and that's your target number to roll equal to or under on a D6. There are no skills. Instead, under each category, you have an advantage and a trauma. An advantage is something related to that ability that may help you out on a roll. A trauma is something that might hinder you. So sticking with the physical category, an advantage would be, say, distance runner, while a trauma would be clumsy. These add a positive or a negative die, respectively. So to make tests, you start with 1d6. You can add an additional positive d6 if you have a related advantage in that category, and the additional d6 is if you have equipment, situational advantages, or assistance. Next, you add in your negative dice if you have a related trauma or situational disadvantages like darkness or needing to rush the job. Consequently, it helps to have different colored D6s. You make your roll. Any negative dice cancel out positive dice showing that same number on a one-to-one -one basis. So if you rolled a three on a positive die and a three on a negative die, those would cancel each other out and you remove them. After doing that, if you have any positive dice that are equal to or under your ability, you pass. Any uncanceled negative dice adds stress under the category you were testing against. So if you were making a vitality check, you would add stress under the physical category. Each of the three ability categories has a stress track, three levels with three boxes in each level. As those boxes are ticked off, the player comes closer to death or insanity or whatever terrible fate awaits them. It's called the end of the world, not Uncle Fuzzy's Fun Van, which is also probably pretty terrible. I, I don't know that that would turn out much better for you. You can trade your levels of stress for additional traumas, which is the death spiral in the game. As you gain more trauma, you roll more negative dice, leading to more failed checks and more stress until your character dies, goes insane, or gets eaten. Uh, so enough bookkeeping. What did we think of the game? Speaking only for myself, I had an absolute blast running this game. It was fun and frantic, which was only amped up given that we were playtesting it with a two-hour time constraint. Character creation was really quick and easy. After all, who knows you better than yourself? And you only need to fill out six of these abilities and then your related uh, uh, trauma and your, uh, your advantage. So with that, with all our sheets in hand, we started playing. I opted to run the scenario from the book covering the rise of Cthulhu called That Which Cannot Die. Right away, that started everything off in a pretty dire situation. The game starts at the very table you're sitting at with the very people you're sitting with. This makes determining your equipment fairly easy. What is there immediately around you that might be of use? From there, the players more or less drove the narrative as they decided where to go and what to do. I only had to act as an arbiter of the current state and function of the world. I killed myself as quickly and as brutally as, po as I possibly could because I don't like the idea of running a GM character and it set the mood for what was to come. The pros are this game is fun. 
It's a really good beer and pretzels game. I could easily see running it as a darker, more somber affair if you want to go that route. It would make a good con game as well. You can stretch or contract the timeline as much as you need to do for one-shots or a longer-term game, though you do need to keep in mind that it potentially is very lethal. The system, which I did not initially care for, runs really well and stays out of the way. Players can argue for or against positive and negative dice on checks, and it works really nicely. Provided you can keep failing forward, there's never a loss of things to do. It almost works like the background system from other games. The players know what they've studied and what their strengths and weaknesses are, and provided you're all keeping each other honest, it's really easy to take tests and determine outcomes. There were no arguments over the rules as we went, just people deciding what to do and then doing it. The game understands what it's about and delivers on that understanding. This is the end of the world. There's not going to be a positive outcome. Even if you survive, you may come to envy the dead as monsters or robots or aliens ravage what's left of civilization and you struggle to survive in the ruins. Our game was dark and comic. It could have easily been more tragic if run slowly and built up. If the idea of playing the end of the world and or playing an end of the world scenario is appealing to you, then you'll find something that you like in this series. There's Four books in all. In The End of the World, Wrath of the Gods, you get five scenarios to choose from. If Cthulhu's not your speed, you can try on Quetzalcoatl, Ragnarok, Revelation, or Nature Rising Up to Destroy Humanity. They each offer their own set of challenges and awful ways to die. It's not a setting book, so you need to do some lifting to fit events and suggested scenes into your games, but that's remedied easily enough. We played a Cthulhu game and we live in the middle of the desert. The cons. This is going to turn off a lot of trad gamers. The game is extremely narrative and the players are playing themselves, so you have to cede almost all control to them. That can be very unsettling for the traditional gaming crowd. Combined with the really light rules and grimdark nature of the game, it can be off-putting to people who want to smash monsters and take their loot. The trauma system could get too real for people who are suffering from real deep-seated traumas. It's best not to deal or drill too deeply there and to let their players decide what they're comfortable with putting down and dealing with. Players can always opt to play a character instead of themselves, which would be a fine solution. And depending on the direction you're taking the game in, an X card might be reasonable to have on hand. And finally, Wrath of the Gods, and this isn't a con, just another thought, is a uh, It's unrelentingly brutal. Unlike other games in the series where you fight aliens or zombies or robots, you can't fight gods. The best you can do is keep running and staying one step ahead of the mayhem. I suspect Rise of the or uh, uh, Revolt of the Machines would be a game where you at least stand a chance of fighting back. Whereas in Wrath of the Gods, if you decide to fight a star spawn, you're probably going to get ripped in half. Ultimately, I was pleasantly surprised by the game. I had a feeling I would enjoy it more upon returning to it with a fresher sensibility on what gaming is and what I want out of games, and I wasn't disappointed. It was a really good time, and I would easily run this game again. In fact, I will likely pick up another couple of books in the series and uh, as well for future game nights. It's fun, it runs well, it's narrative, and that checks off uh, three of my biggest boxes right away. Here, here to that, dude. It was a really solid little game, wasn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's not hard to introduce to people. <laughs> it's not. You don't need to have the players read an entire book before they start playing. They don't even need to read a player's handbook. The rules section of the book is incredibly thin. The biggest part is the scenarios. 
I mean, you can really explain to somebody just in a couple minutes how it how it goes. On some level, like you know, when your buddies are all like, "Oh, just, we can't role play tonight because so and so isn't here. Let's play right. a fucking super involved card game." And then they like start breaking out this fucking card game that takes like thirty minutes to explain. You can actually get this game running faster than you can get one of those card games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you're playing yourself. It's you have a rough <laughs> idea of what your attributes and abilities are, right? You have a rough idea of what you're capable of. You throw me into a scenario where you're like, hey, Adam, do a check for knowledge about ancient Mesopotamia. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm not. (laughs) I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Whereas if you're like, hey, Adam, do a check, computer science check. I'm going to go, cool. Can I get advantage on that? I mean, I think that for both of us, the thing that kind of kept us from playing these games initially was the play yourself thing. I think that I remember I remember when I was was in high school. That was a big part of it. Uh, a, a buddy of ours, Adam Salee, he wanted to do a vampire game where we all played ourselves. And I remember, I mean, being back then and being all like fucking Mr. Know-it-all about gaming, I completely like pish-posh the whole thing. How many dots would I have? And all this kind of crap. Right. And so I've, I've just never really been like hot on that idea when I saw that Fantasy Flight released like a book, of, like a series of like five games or something where you played yourself. I was like, what's the point of that? Right. And that was the other thing about it is I was looking at it and going, this character sheet, it's like, it's six things that I fill in and that I, where are my skills? How do I know what I'm capable of doing in the world? And the whole thing is it just comes up organically as yeah, you play. Yeah. It handles itself. I mean, that's the great secret of role playing, right? Is that, uh, all these fucking games that, that insist on like classifying everything and breaking down skills and sub skills and specializations and all this shit. Um, the original games didn't have those. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't, you don't really, you don't really need them. You know, right. you don't actually really need those. And that was in, the thing in, in a certain way for a certain type of gaming, you don't need them. Right. And that was another interesting thing as we played too. It was we kept running into issues in the game where it was, well, where do we get weapons from? We don't have weapons near us. <laughs> yeah. like, no, that's the thing is okay. So we start the game and we were like, we were like, well, I guess we don't have any weapons because we're not the kind of guys that have weapons. But then you were role playing it and you were like, and you were like, oh, there's these fucking bat creatures outside the fucking house and they're like, and they're like attacking. And I and immediately I was like, oh, okay. I immediately go into my bedroom and I get my baseball bat, right? right? Because uh, is this, it was weird, right? Because yeah. I was like, I know I keep a baseball bat in there and I kind of keep it for, I guess, situations similar like to that this, or yeah. whatever <laughs> you know and i was it, it just it just occurred to me in that moment when you when you put yourself into the role yeah and there were a lot of there were a lot of comments about oh if the mysterious jeff was here like we'd have guns <laughs> why isn't mysterious jeff here we should have guns oh mysterious jeff where were you you gun loving guy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was, it was just really fascinating kind of watching it go as people were just trying to kind of find improvised weapons and raiding yeah. the kitchen for knives yeah. and somebody else picked up a candelabra a candelabra you know i have to have a candelabra there was a discussion about i'm an idiot where am i going how far do we have to go? I don't want to carry this candelabra too far. <laughs> this candelabra. It's, it's too heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was really fun to play with you. It was really fun to play with Richard. Uh, Michael was super game also. It was just we... Uh, we did have a, 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 another player. Yeah, we had our, our, our mysterious... Uh, a fourth player. Fourth player. Who, who wasn't... I don't think he was that into the to the scenario yeah he he wasn't as jazzed on it he wanted which is part of my review he wanted a much more traditional game of of being heroic and and killing monsters and and getting treasure and that is not what a game called the end of the world is about it's about the end of the world you know i mean i think that the richard and michael and i had such a good time because we had a lot of buy-in and so i'm just going to take it back to what i always take it back to which is you have to 
get the buy-in on the front end. I mean, uh, I had invited a friend of ours out because he doesn't come out to game with us much anymore. He doesn't have a lot of time. And he was like, oh, hey, I got some free time. And I was like, oh, hey, you should come play. But I don't think I ever told him what the game was going to be. I think I said, hey, there's going to be a game at my house. And he came sure. over. Yeah. Uh, I just, I guess it's, you know, when you presume, you make an ass out of you and of me, right? And I presumed that he knew us as people and then that's something that we would be doing he's played in like a billion of my games so you'd think i i, I thought he was gonna be a bit more like oh no there's probably probably gonna be a horror game you yeah know? i think it just didn't scratch the itch he had and that's not his fault you know that was just part of the scenario and it was it went well i think you know we had a lot of fun uh it it, it yeah. was a good time um and i like the game i I was really surprised uh or pleasantly surprised and and i had a feeling i might like it better now than i did back when i first read it see i didn't have that feeling (laughs) i didn't have that feeling i thought when when we were like when we were uh gonna do it i was like okay well i'm gonna give this thing a chance because you know that's who i am now i guess but this is probably gonna be like weak and then it was like not weak it was really fun i guess somebody could say like oh why do i need to buy like a 40 dollar fancy flight game to do this like what's the point of that i could i have fate i could run it in fate or i have world of darkness i could run in world darkness and i guess the answer is yeah okay yeah you can i mean i guess that's kind of the point of fate though right is you can run anything with it and definitely the world of darkness is one of those things that is as long as you're keeping it mundane and you're not like fucking around with supernatural shit you can run pretty much anything yeah i would say if you're going to buy it the reason to buy it is the scenarios they get the most volume page volume in the book it's not a setting book it's you know ostensibly i guess a rule book but the rule section is super thin character creation is not very hard at all it's it's mainly just for the scenarios so if any of them appeal to you they've got a wrath of the gods one that we reviewed they've got the revolt of the machines they've got a zombie one and they've got an alien one there's there's yeah. four of them total there's four yeah um each one of them is a different primary color wrath of the gods is yellow uh the machines one's blue the zombie one's red red and the alien one is green. Green. So yeah, uh, they've all got very distinctive looks to them. Um, and yeah, you can pick them up. I, if I were going to get the other ones, like zombies doesn't really do anything for me. Dude, I was over the zombie fad back like right after uh, Shaun of the Dead came out and they were starting to do the Marvel zombies thing. So it's been yeah. like, some, I've been caught in the zombie fad for like 15 years longer than I thought it was going to last. Yeah, I got really burnt out on it. Like when uh, it was right either during or before the time we started reading Walking Dead. Oof. It was just like, I was just like, I am so sick of this. Yeah. I don't care anymore about this stuff. Stuff. but yeah the, the alien one sounds appealing to me the machines one sounds appealing to me so well um i can see maybe picking up the uh uh wrath of the gods one and i did pick up uh revolt of the machines because i've the end of the world scenarios that you like talk about with your friends that's the one i always like to talk about kind of like it's like the it's like the workplace banter that you do kind of like what i would do if i won the lottery is like what i would do if and i'm, I'm i like to i like to pose hypotheticals about the machines coming to life because yeah. I, I think I, I don't really think it's that hypothetical I think we're basically just like a few bad years away from it happening anyway it's probably um, the most likely of the four <laughs> to actually occur the singularity it's the one that people talk about technologists warn you against 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's very few people out there warning you about Cthulhu or like aliens or or zombies in any seriousness. I think there's probably more people worrying about you about aliens than about the singularity because Alex Jones, notwithstanding, (laughs) the 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 most people seem to be like rushing open arms towards the singularity, which always blows my mind. You know, people seem to have like deified Elon Musk, and he's like one of the he's he's just like. Uh, he's definitely a singularity these guy. people don't work in technology because if you do work in technology you get this idea uh, or you know the people who work on these things and you see how the how the soup gets made and you definitely have this oh yeah. man we have if we create any sort of artificial intelligence we lack the ability to control it like we will have no ability to control it we already By don't if you create something that's smarter than you that's going to be a problem. You keep hearing about Google, like they made those AIs and to, to, to test the boundaries of AI. And like the first, there's a fucking Google, they made two mm-hmm. to communicate with each other. Right. And one of the first things they did was develop their own language that would be more efficient for their own communication and that the, the, literally the computer programmers cannot decipher. Right. They can't decipher it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, give me a fucking, uh, anyway, sorry, <laughs> guys. <laughs> We we wound you up. <laughs> Sorry, no, guys. Yeah, it's, it's I love you guys. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, <laughs> well, and I think it's just an interesting concept. I, I I think the best reasons to buy the book are twofold. Okay, first of all, as Adam said, the rules set is very simple and very to the point. And so, if you're like, uh, you're gonna take a night off of the main game and you want to do something with a little bit more levity, or just because people aren't able to come in or whatever, or you just like get that urge if you want to run something but you don't want to build a whole fucking campaign, then boom, you got this thing that's very easy to explain. It's right there. It's got a built-in premise. Everybody understands. Boom. That's reason number one. Reason number two is this is the ultimate con game, and that was in Adam's review. Like I would take this to a convention and run it all fucking day because it's just like it's gonna be a very easy game to run. It has a known uh, game publisher on the cover, so people are, are aren't gonna look cockeyed at it. It's got a brand that explains what's in the game, so it's not like you're, somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm running a fate game, and it's about the end of the world, and you play yourself," or your or same thing with World of Darkness. It's all it's all built in. It's like it's all vertically integrated. Right. So. I picked mine up uh, from Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona. Our sponsors, who um, thank gave, you, Game Depot. Thank you, Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona, who uh, gave us the uh, um, end of the world game to uh, give away to you guys. I purchased my copy down there because I basically want it for cons. You know, this is it's, I'm just going to add it right to my repertoire with uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Right, and it's just fun to watch your GM die right away. <laughs> Oh, there's always that. That's just that's. Oh, that guy. Good time. Fucking GM. Look at this guy. He got ripped apart. Oh, the GM's god, huh? Looks like you just got ripped apart by your own creations. Wrong, God. Take that, dude. Anywho, these were drawn to the close of yet another uh, full metal RPG episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hey, Adam, you want to take us out, buddy? Sure. So. If you would like to communicate with us here at Full Metal RPG, you can find us on the Instagram, Full Metal RPG. That's where we're most active most days. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Full Metal RPG. You'll find us there as well. We're on Patreon now, Full Metal RPG. Look us up on Patreon. We're there. Twitter, not so much. Yeah, still not Twitter, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, no Twitter. Head over for email. You can reach us at Full Metal RPG official at gmail.com 
And uh, am I missing anything else? I think, I think you got those it, dude. are the big ones. I think you got it. And uh, you know, I'm checking that Instagram daily. I'm all kept on my messages, and I am checking the Full Metal RPG official daily. So check so for contests. Keep up on Instagram and Facebook. Those yeah. are your two big ones to keep up on for contests. Or hit up the Patreon five dollars a month or more, and you're automatically entered in every contest. Up to you. And remember, if you happen to be in Tempe, Arizona, please hit up our sponsor, Game Depot, on McClintock and Southern. And if you just want to hang with us, hang with me and Adam, just give us a fucking ringy dingy when you're in town, and we'll maybe take out for some beers and show you the sites or whatever. Tell Dave and Patty that we sent you. So yeah, they see yeah. some return on their investment. <laughs> Definitely do that, guys. Especially if you're seriously, if you're like, oh, I heard those slappies, uh, Adam and Brendan, talking about that fucking end of the world game, and you go in there and you buy it from them, like, mention that. Right. Just kind of let that drop, just in conversation. You know, like, oh, oh, yeah, by the way. Well, Cultists, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure having you once again. Uh, have a good night. We'll see you soon. <laughs>